Come in. Hey, man, I'm sorry. I might the train Shut up. You're here. And good thing, because we've got lots of work. The talk show featuring unforgettable guests with incredible jobs. And now, here's my boss and your host, Katie Lazarus. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Employee of the Month. I'm your host, Katie Lazarus. And while I am on book leave right now, working on a book, I wanted to share an episode with one of my favorite authors, um, Zadie Smith. It was so fun to have her on the show. And you'll get to hear her and Lady Rizzo sing. You can also check out Lady Rizzo Live, too. Enjoy this episode with Zadie Smith. Zadie, I'm going to pull out some of your books for people who don't read. Don't read. Okay, yeah, yeah let's do or, it. Or literate. Yeah. For any bankers, NW. <laughs> this is a good book for bankers. On beauty. Perilous, okay. Do you like these? Have you seen these before? No, I, I'm familiar. White yeah. teeth. Yeah. Wrote at 19, no biggie. The Autograph Man. And her latest one, Swing Time, which I highly, highly, highly recommend. Um, these are just some of your books. How are you? I'm, uh, as we've discussed earlier, quite intensely hungover, but I'm, I'm still here. Okay, good. Working with it. <laughs> you too can feel like me tomorrow. Just keep going. Yeah. You've been up for many awards, and you have spoken about how important craft is, and as someone right. myself who doesn't make any money, I know how important it is to focus on the craft and <laughs> be very zen about the process uh-huh. and enjoy it. Were you always zen? Or I guess a, a better way to ask that question is, um, are you ever going to admit what happened when you were nine years old uh, in one of your first writing competitions? I, uh, first of all, yeah, uh, did I? Who told you that? Did you? Um, so, so uh, I, when I was nine, um, I actually just lost a literary prize tonight, I as know, you know, like know. 25 minutes ago. It's Sorry. Okay. But when I was nine, but I won one. you're winning instead. the Employee of the Month award. Right, which is more important. Um, tonight. Uh, I, thank you. She was also up for a literary prize tonight. I yeah. mean, come on. Yeah. She was also yeah. nominated for a very good reason, because yeah. the book um, is phenomenal. Uh, so I... It's a, it's a double sinning story because it involves b- both plagiarism and lying, which is unusual <laughs> for a nine-year-old. But I, I, I wrote with a friend of mine a book about dancing skeletons who live in a neighborhood, which is, was frankly stolen from Alan Ulberg, a brilliant British children's book writer, and we submitted it to a, a kind of contest. Um, Michael Rosen, who was the children's poet laureate, was the judge. And then I got a letter saying we had won in our category eight to ten, and then I didn't tell my friend, Polly, (laughs) didn't tell her, went alone with my family, and took that prize. (laughs) Ruthless. Yeah. So, I'm not proud of it. It was a long time ago. (laughs) But there you go. Yeah, that happened. Story before friends. Yeah, we're still friends. She's a great girl. She's very patient. What is she doing now? Is she a baker? Um... (laughs) She is the long-term personal assistant of an actor called Trevor Eve. Very interesting. Yes. Interesting a, that you're a nice now a girl. writer and she's um, doing administrative work. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, stop. All right, go. 
Yeah. Um, so growing up, I um, I wasn't like big into pop culture, but I did. I was very obsessed with the Who, and mm. would you? Um, How old are you? That's a strange generational. Your age. Yeah. Yeah. That's not right. But um, carry on. I had an older brother. So I broke up with my real life boyfriend. Yes. Um, and because I was so in love with Roger Daltrey, the lead singer, that I felt it was unethical to okay. like two people at the same time. Um, and I just want to know if you had any experiences like that or another question to ask you is, what role did Keanu um, play in your childhood? Keanu was very years? important to me. I'm not going to pretend he wasn't. But uh, I wrote the first novel I ever wrote when I was 15. The, was, the main character was called Keanu. So he had a, a strong imprint. Um, and then the other person perhaps was Prince. I was very um, involved with Prince. In my mind, he wasn't fully <laughs> complicit in it. He wasn't fully committed. No, but I, I was very engaged with him and I went to see him a bunch of times and um, it, it was a deep thing for a while, yeah. Um, I read in an, in an article, so I didn't know if this was true, because I imagine you're quite ambitious if you were writing a novel at, at 15 and uh, winning literary prizes and, um, you know, uh, pushing friends aside. Um, um, <laughs> but I read um, th that you were actually a, a stoner in high school. Is I was a huge stoner, yeah. An ambitious stoner. That sounds well, my like... whole family were, you know, in involved in the smoking of weed, so I, I, I at least... <laughs> gave it up sooner than most people in the clan. And, but uh, there were moments like, I, actually, that's not fair. My youngest brother never smoked weed. He's a health freak. But my middle brother um, was part an inspiration for this book. In, in Swing Time, there's a thing about uh, people who believe that inside people there are lizards, which is a kind of weird yes. conspiracy theory in England. And I remember being, I guess, 16 and a half and going to my brother saying, come, come into my room, come into my room. He's 15. I was like, what? He said... There were lizards inside Princess Diana. And so I was like, dude, <laughs> that it is time to stop smoking the weed in this house. It has a bad effect on teenage brains. And he basically did stop. He's fine now. He's a very rational person. But that's how, for me, you know, weed was in the house, generally. It is incredible how, just because it's, I, I don't know your, your family, um, but it, your brothers and you are all three extraordinarily successful, but in show business, and it doesn't seem like you guys came from that. Um, no, we, we, we weren't uh, from show people, if that's what you're asking. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, was, I was into it, you know, musicals and comedy a lot. And then, because my brother was only slightly younger than me, I forced him to participate in a lot of things that I'm sure, as a straight man, he wasn't that into at the yeah. time. But we did full-on recreations of songs from musicals and dances and comedy routines sometimes. And then I kind of went to books more and that became my preoccupation. But my brothers really continued with music in different areas. So my middle brother is a kind of comedian and, and also a rapper and a, now an actor, rapper, comedian. That's what he does. And Luke is also a rapper and yeah, so uh, it's it's funny that way. Yeah. Here's a picture up. picture of. Oh yeah, they look them. cute there. They're a little older now, I have to say. That was a, <laughs> that was when they were a kid. That was a few years ago. That was but, growing uh, up. Yeah, they look good. Yeah. But and which That's one some works? Free clothes they get. They get free clothes for wrapping around. You know that rappers get free clothes. Yeah. I don't get free clothes, but you know that. Yeah, you get some. Yeah. Yeah, some, some free shit they got. They get the trips to South Africa. Spenders rap bot right yeah. here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you get thrown a lot of gifts and stuff like that? I do not get...
Yeah, I, no, I don't. The right, right, free clothes for writers is not a big thing. <laughs> no one's like, can I dress you for the NBCC? No one's, that's not a thing. Um, but my brother is kept in sneakers. Yeah, he's good. Um, but, but you do get um, given a lot of things and asked to do a lot of, of, of things. Um, yeah, people, I mean, when you're in signing queues, sometimes people give you, you know, press things on you or strange gifts or that kind of thing. Or asked to be on, you know, reality TV shows. Oh, that, yeah. I mean, in England, I think everybody in the end is asked to be on a reality TV show. That's just the, that's the attitude in England. So uh, I remember when I published White Teeth, really soon after, like, like, maybe six months after, I got an email saying, do you want to be on Big Brother? I was like, <laughs> could you wait until, like, I've put, and it, it's over, and I'm, you know, I'm a failure, and I walk through the streets, and could you give it a minute? I'm like 24 years old. Yeah. I don't want to be on Big Brother. I think it's, like an, it's cruel. <laughs> I do think it's interesting because reality shows all started with you all. Yeah, and no, we are the yeah. we are the incubator of shit culture. We yeah. we make it, we create it, we spread it out throughout the world, and then have the front to say all oh, these Americans watching TV all day. Yes. It's unbelievable. Yeah, it's all us. Now that you've written also for TV and and. Um, your husband's written for, for film, and you, you've met with lit agents. It's funny to me that they're called lit agents in both TV and in right. literary. What, what is the difference when you do these meetings in Hollywood versus in um, publishing? Um, well, I, I mean, I, I, we tried to write films together, and um, the film that is getting made is the one that I got kicked off of, and he stayed on. So my experience is that I don't really understand what film is about, like <laughs> things like plot. That is not something that I'm good at or that engages me. So I'll be like noodling along saying, atmosphere and atmosphere, and Nick will say, something should happen here and here and here and here. Um, and so I, I have to learn more about that. Novels, you can get away with a certain amount of um, plotlessness, I have found. This is, <laughs> this is just a logistical question. Do you outline? Uh, novels? Yeah. No, no, I... What do you outline? Grocery lists? I... What did you think I was asking? <laughs> No, I, I don't. I, I mean, I have a vague sense of, like, up to the halfway point, and then I, you probably sense this from reading my novels, I kind of um, freewheel it a little bit from about page 150. Yeah. Um, I, I'm going to read this quote before I, before I ask this question. Um, in the New York Times in 2000, um, you were quoted as saying, now I've made enough money and I don't need any more. I never said that. Your paper of record, although we know it from Trump, it may be fake news. But um, I was going to find out where it went and if I could have everything from 2001 on. Um, that is a young person having no idea how little money would finally be in publishing uh, eight years later. Um, I can't... I, I, I do feel like I'm not... I don't think many writers are motivated purely by money, really. It's hard to write into a, into a void and for no one. Um, but when you see a writer in, really deep in a novel, and I think of my friends writing novels, they would carry on no matter what. You know, it's obsessive yeah. at a certain point. Um, I do. So, yeah, I, I don't feel that I'm... I don't know why I said such an asshole thing. I was a kid, but... Uh, <laughs> you, were, you were a kid and but, I'm not um, alone in that. Yeah, I was probably being asked about money a lot. I never knew how to talk about it. Well, that is this odd thing of being thrust into the spotlight at such a young age. Right. And um, I thought in watching these old tapes of you, I thought you handled it so 
deftly and so beautifully um, to be so young. I'm going to read a quote um, from Mich- Michiko Kakutani. My um, favorite person. Um, who has <laughs> referred to you as preternaturally gifted and your talents prove commensurate with her ambition. Her, her talents prove commensurate with her ambitions. Um, critics, do you, do you decide to be zen and not read the negative or the positive? Do you read, like, how do you approach... No, I, I, I'm, I write criticism myself, so uh, you do get soft as you get older. Like I, I totally recognize that young critic's feeling of wanting to destroy the book in front of you, you know, not just badly review it, but tear it into little stress and stumble. I used to have that feeling. <laughs> um, when you write enough books, you've, you've, your feeling for what it takes to write a book changes. I don't think that that means those young critics should stop. I think it's important, that kind of uh, vigor and determination, but I can't write reviews like that, and, and I find it hard to read them now. I used to read them everything all the time with a kind of self-harm, like fascination yes. in them, um, but now uh, I, I would try and avoid them, but in the end, I'll always read them, I think. So if you, you want to write something really nasty about me, eventually I will read it. Like Sa- maybe not this year, next, but in the end, I'll find it and cry. Samuel Jackson <laughs> goes after his uh, um, critics. Like if they're bloggers and things like that, he'll go after well, them. I don't have that feeling. My usual instinct is, oh, you're absolutely right. I don't, I don't feel defensive. Yeah. Like, I don't feel yeah. like, oh, you got it wrong. It's the opposite is the problem. I think, oh, yeah, you're right. Then you just want to go to bed for a week. Right. So right. It's, it's not that I'm fighting them. I, I feel the criticism myself. I usually made it towards myself first. Yes, yeah. And how has that um, changed as you've gotten older? Have you been better? I'm, I'm asking um, for a friend. Um, <laughs> I, I think that the kind of self-hatred, the nausea, the anxiety when you write, it, it's not easy for that to go away. But I did notice at, at 40 that, like if someone gives me a piece of journalism, I used to not be able to say yes because I just couldn't be sure if I'd be able to get over that feeling in yeah. the time scale, you know? So I'd say, I'll do it if you give me six months or ridiculous timelines. Now I feel a bit more confident. If you give me a piece of work, I will complete it. I can do it. Like, it's not, it's not as much anxiety as it used to be. Good. That's changed, yeah. I wonder if it, it changes from, like, the chutzpah or I don't know what else to call it to, to genuine self-assuredness. Yeah, it's something different from chutzpah. Like, when I read or look at the stuff I wrote when I was young, it's, it's all just energy and, you know, toughing it out. Or, but as you get older, you think... I'm sorry, explain that again. Like it's uh, like a kind of fake energy, I don't know. Like you don't know all the mistakes you're making, all the ways you're being embarrassing, all the silly things you're writing. Now I have a kind of firmer idea and I, I just want to write clearly, you know, with a certain clarity and to say what I mean. That's what, I'm not trying to yeah. put on a show. Okay. Though I am on a stage in Joe's pub. <laughs> but you know what I mean. No, but I, yeah. I meant actually more that, because um, I, I imagine... You know, you were 19 and you were at Cambridge, and it, it's extraordinary um, to someone who went to a, a decent school, but not um, Cambridge. Um, you know, to have a real editor actually be looking at one of your literary publications and right. say, "Hey, you, you should publish this." Um, I don't know. You know, most universities um, on either side of the pond um, don't necessarily have real legitimate editors actually looking at their work and saying, hey, I really think there's something here and we'd like to pay, it, it was pay you counted. for it. It's hard to explain in America. It doesn't seem like it makes sense. But within the college, in my college, the idea that I was going to become a novelist was not something that my professors had any interest in. It was just something, you know, when I had to admit, on, just after I finished my exams, I had some interest from an editor. I told my professors, we walked around the quad late at night, and he, he just was so disappointed in me. 
So that was the main feeling I had. I, instead of uh -huh. becoming a proper academic and a serious person, I was going to write this trashy novel. That's kind of what three years in that place did to you. So I always had a little bit of a conflicted feeling about it. And then after getting turned down, I think, from a lot of journalism jobs, did you, when you got this first... Well, my journalism jobs, as my husband will remember, I sent out a CV in which every letter was a different primary colour, which I'd done on my star right. This was how, like, this is how I thought you got a job. So I was turned down from every <laughs> magazine in London, and then I started teaching rich kids their exams, you know, the kind of kids who failed the first time round. Yes. I would, I would give them a little help, yeah. I, I used to do that to supplement working in foster care, actually, and I remember this kid would always like make fun of my wallet, and he'd be like, Miss Lazarus, Miss Lazarus, the cotton, cotton, and I was like, yeah, it was so mean, yeah. <laughs> I should have been like, and your mom is stuffing it, so just leave well, it. Well, these were, um, the weird thing about- My the, wallet, keep, <laughs> she's stuffing my it's wallet. It's an English thing, but these were like, <laughs> uh, these were rich, posh kids, you know. Yeah. So they had fucked up because they couldn't be bothered or they had a drug problem or whatever was going on. But their parents then paid a lot of money for them to have, you know, concentrated work for a few weeks and try and get through these exams again. So it was, it was also an interesting lesson in the way England works, you know, like yeah. where I came from, you failed your exams, that was the end of it. Then there was this other world where you could just keep on <laughs> retaking them infinitely um, until you got the grade you needed. So I participated in that lovely situation. Now that you're teaching, um, yes. Some uh, other wealthy kids at NYU, or yeah, I should just say, I know, I'm doing teaching God's at work. NYU. Um, has that been your experience? Is it similar to the tutoring job? Um, no, no. I, I teach like a group of 12 kids, and we, we're reading these incredible novels, 20th century novels. Um, and so, even when I, you know, everyone who teaches writing is sometimes a bit heavy hearted when they enter their classroom, I think that's fair to say. But I have the advantage of teaching these novels. Like, I'm going to work, I'm going to teach Kafka, or I'm going to go to work and teach Graham Greene, or whoever it is. So this, the content is so good, and the discussion of, like, 12 young people, sometimes reading these books for the first time. More and more often, I can go into a classroom after 12 years of it and say, anyone read Nabokov? And everyone says no. So on the one hand, it's wow. like, oh, poor America. But on the other hand, it's my great opportunity that these kids will always remember me because I, I gave them Nabokov. Like, I, it's such a thrill to be able to do that. Um, that's really beautiful. I wanted to um, ask, as, an, as a writer, so as a comedian, like, I worshipped Woody Allen and Bill Cosby as a kid, and yeah, it is too. a hard thing to... to um... I know, it's really hard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know. Too soon. <laughs> yeah. So, do you have that in the literary world? <laughs> um, uh, there are such figures. I actually feel the same because I, I love comedy and, and um, I love both those people. Um, I, I am actually a fan of writers. I've hardly ever been disappointed by the writers I love when I've met them. Okay. I mean, the, the main feeling is that when you when you meet a writer, it's something I. I had never realized as a kid, and, and it's been the kind of realization of my adult life, is that they are like their books. I don't mean that the books are autobiographical, or, but the atmosphere that comes off the person is like the atmosphere that comes off the book. So if I like the book, it's almost always a, a good bet, you know? I like writers generally. Some writers hate writers. I, to me, they're the kind of people I want to be around. I've always liked them. And how did you hook up with Steve Coogan, Alan Partridge, one of my, my favorites? Um, because he is going to adapt Swing Time. Right. Um, I'm, it's a huge Coogan fan. Me and my brother 
uh, Alan Partridge fan. Um, this is the kind of person we would recreate the sketches and all the rest of it. Um, I don't know how he came to be interested in Swing Time. He has an incredible production company, um, but I'm completely thrilled. Like to me, that kind of comedy brain is the the best kind of creative brain. Like they, they do what we do, but they also have this lightness and something that I really value. I'm so glad it's him. I think he's he's brilliant. Um... I did bring it up also partly because I remember reading this great article in, in The New Yorker in 2002. He was right. caught having an uh, orgy. Um, oh, yeah, and the Coke and, and um, strip. And saying Alan Partridge, didn't he? <laughs> it was actually Supposedly, Steve Coogan, yeah. yeah. Didn't he say, what is Partridge's catchphrase? I, I wrote it down. Anyone? Um, I could say it. Aha, yeah, apparently during oh, yeah, this, aha, knowing this me, knowing cocaine-filled you? sex scandal, he said aha. But I don't, I don't know if but I believe that part. The quote yeah. in The New Yorker, and I, I, this is why I typed out all these pages, because I love this so much, was, I was appalled and shocked to find out they were lap dancers. I was under the impression that they were Latvian refugees who needed shelter for the night. <laughs> <laughs> and what I liked about that was that he was like, don't put me on a pedestal. I'm not yeah. going to pretend to be someone who I'm not. This is He's who I am. He's always been really incredible in the press and in English life completely. He, there's nothing... To hide. He recognizes exactly the kind of person he is, and he's always been really interesting about it, open. Yeah. Um, and so you were also a cabaret singer. You worked in old age homes? Yeah, it's a gla glamorous uh, job. I used to do... It's the only work I could get. You know, sometimes I'd be in a cafe in the library or, you know, something my mother managed to organize or occasionally hotel bars. Um, but uh, regular singing was in old people's homes. <laughs> Um, and I did kind of impersonations, you know, of, of singers. So I'd do a Sinatra, I'd do a Billie Holiday. And, but at the same time, because um, I'd had an, a situation with my hair, a kind of Afro-teenage hair disaster, my mother, to resolve it, had just sh shaved all my hair completely. So I was like quite a big black girl with a shaved head doing Sinatra impressions in old people's homes. <laughs> it was a very odd scenario. You could see their faces, they were confused. Um, well, I was going to see if, if you might do some cabaret singing here, just in case. Just in case. Seems like a good idea. Could we have... Um, how do you guys feel about that? Now you guys are awake. We got them awake, Sadie. I think we should get a high five for that. We got you guys awake and up. I'm so excited. Um, can, we, can we get you to sing? Would that be Okay. Can I have some help? I think um, Lady Rizzo, who's going to be on the show, she's been on the show um, four times, which has been such a, a wonderful Ooh. thing. Um, uh, maybe she and you could sing? It could happen. Yeah, hold How on. does that sound? Yes. Um, all right, well, so for those of you guys who are regulars, you guys know I have a, a dog, Lady Lazarus. And um, she couldn't be here tonight because she's working on her novel. Um, she already has for an agent. Lots of money. She's written nine of them. Um, and um, I was so glad that when you suggested that you thought you want, might want to sing Lady and the Tramp. Just for her. Just for her. It's all for her. Okay, good. All right, so Lady Rizzo, can we welcome you out? Come Ooh. on out and come join. Oh, girl. Well, look at that. Lady and Zadie. If we got married, you'd be Zadie Rizzo. Because <laughs> you'd take my name. Yeah, stick it in. How you feeling? Hangover? It's almost gone? Mucusy. 
Mucusy. Right, that is never this. a good description of how you're feeling on a first date. Okay. You got it. Oh. I get too hungry Woo. for dinner at eight. You are so hungry. I like the theater. Yeah. But never go late. Woo. I just can't be bothered. With people I know I hate. Forget those bitches. That's why this lady is a tramp. Oh, yes, you are. <laughs> I don't like crap games with barons and earls. Wrong type of people. I won't go up to Harlem dressed in ermine and pearls. It's not appropriate. <laughs> I won't dish the dirt with the rest of the girls that's why this lady is a tramp she likes the free Contaminated as well. <laughs> I read the swing time. I read every line. That's why this bitch is a slut. I like a prize fight yeah. that isn't a fake. Oh, hate fakes. I really like the rowing uh. on Central Park Lake. I go to the opera. I'm bored, but I stay wide awake. That's polite of you, polite of you. That's why this lady is a tramp. You are. I like the green, green press on my feet. Or shoes. Why can't I lose? I'm so broke. That's it for my episode with Zadie Smith. Isn't she spectacular? I know. It's like, does she really have to be a good singer, too? Yep, she does. Um, I feel like she would have been good at whatever she did. She just has that. She has that quality where you just believe in her. I now see, now I feel bad when I say that because that's sort of what helped Trump get elected. But 
you know what I mean. You just heard her and you read her. She really is that phenomenal. If you haven't, go out and read Zadie Smith. She really is worth it. That's it for this episode. I really want to thank Rob Schulte, Nora Lindsay, ACAS, and all of you for listening. Um, go to employeeofthemonthshow.com if you want to nominate anyone. If you want to find out about future live shows, we're going to Los Angeles, New York, and hopefully beyond. And you can go to at Katie Lazarus, C-A-T-I-E-L-A-Z-A-R-U-S, to follow me on Twitter. Or you can just um, follow me around really pretty much anywhere. I don't go that many places. I'm Katie Lazarus. Have a good one. Have a good one.